She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files adjacent podcast. In search of... Astrology. Take two! (laughs) Yeah, and we're actually recording this time. We checked, right? Um, Double check again. Okay, good. Yep. No, we definitely are. All right, good. Yep. And I checked earlier. Mercury is not in retrograde, so we should be safe. (laughs) Although, apparently it will be when the episode comes out. Man, that fucker is always in retrograde. What the hell? It it kind of, uh, they actually, when I looked it up, it's like Mercury is like almost always in retrograde. (laughs) So, yeah. But as of August 23rd, it will be. So it's in. Okay. this big chunk ah. moves in retrograde. Apparently. Shit, I gotta take my cats to the vet that day. They're getting their annual little checkup oh. and vaccines on the twenty third. Yeah, unless I mess things up, this episode will be released on the thirtieth of August. But just retrograde okay. apparently starts on the twenty third of August. So, yes, so we're safe. Safe. <laughs> this episode was written and produced by Peter Rostin. 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 Probably Rostin. Rostin. I don't know. Maybe it is Rostin. I don't know. Don't know what I said the first time. Researched by Jim Koof and Devra A. Weber and edited by Lawrence Ross with assistance by Lewis Friedman. The series is hosted and narrated by Leonard Nimoy. And this episode maybe originally aired on Thursday, January 12, 1978. I'm sure it aired on Thursday, January 12, 1978. But again, as we know, it may have aired before that. So maybe I need to mm-hmm. drop the originally off these and we can just say aired on because that won't be wrong. It just <laughs> may not be the first time. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was played somewhere on some affiliate that day. We just don't know anything else. Yes. Which sometimes were network television and sometimes I, I did not realize that because I've got some TV guides or it actually in search of actually aired on NBC networks. No. I always thought it was, I always assumed it was independent stations, but apparently in some markets, it was actually on like, you know, the, the downtime of a, of a, of one of the big three. So hmm. yeah, that was something new that I learned as well. I was like, oh shit. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, who knows? Just whoever had some free time in their schedule would show it. So. Hmm. When the moon is full, more crimes of violence occur. Arrests have been known to increase, as well as admissions to mental hospitals. Firemen report unusually high numbers of fires and freak accidents. Emergency personnel in hospitals brace themselves for increased caseloads. Bizarre statements and traumatic action by usually rational people are attributed to moon madness. Why? Werewolves. Yeah, I mean, probably. What strange influence does the moon have on the behavior of man? (gasps) Three wise men journeyed from the east to Bethlehem. According to some biblical scholars, they observed the rising of a star and came to pay homage to a newborn king. In recent translations of the New English Bible, the three wise men, the Magi, are called astrologers. 
in search of astrology. It seems like this is two different episodes from the first part and the second uh, part. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I had obviously watched this before because obviously we recorded this. Ep- well, we did this episode before without recording it. But that's the key part. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't record it before. <laughs> but when I was rewatching it this morning, I was really jarred when they started talking about Bethlehem. I had totally forgotten that part. And I'm just like, what the fuck are they talking about? And then I was like, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah. It's a weird little tangent. And I guess we should probably, like, we've been obviously talking about it, but uh, people might not have listened to our. Our our lost episode, little five minute bit that we put out. We originally when we originally did this episode, we forgot to record it, and so we recorded a little bit saying like we forgot to record this, and we'll do it at the end of the season because this was actually the fifth episode of the season. Mm-hmm. So I should probably explicitly say that in case people aren't listening in order or they missed that part. Maybe this is your first yeah. episode. I don't know, but yeah, we but were yeah. we did not record this episode previously, but we did a session on this episode. <laughs> And it was good. It had really good energy. It was funny. There were a lot of good jokes. I I know we made some X-Files jokes. I can't remember them. We probably won't make them again. But it was so good. And then as soon as we stopped, we both realized we had not recorded. And we were both like, oh, fuck. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And in that original, because I still have the notes that we wrote, thankfully, my hot take was that we could have had moon madness, lunacy, and maybe even werewolves, but instead we got astrology, and that is a bunch of bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Werewolves would be cool. Do they ever do werewolves? They should. I don't think so. I do not think so. No. I know the. we will eventually get to it. Obviously, In Search of has six seasons, and then they revive it in i want to say 2008 with mitch peleggi oh skinner <laughs> that one i know they do frankenstein's monster okay which they do not do in the original but i don't know if they do werewolves hmm. i don't think they do but yeah they do get some of the stuff that i remember like oh shit in search of didn't do that they do some of that but that that revival I'll be interested to watch it because they're hour-long episodes, but it's almost more like Ripley's Believe It or Not, where they're doing like three or four topics in an episode. Oh, yeah. That was so, really common back then. Like in that, you know, you can't just have one episode focus on something. You got to break it up and keep people's yeah. interest. I don't know. So, yeah. So it'll be interesting. No, I'll, I'll, I'm excited to watch that because Mitch Pelleggi, but also just to see like the difference because obviously 2008 is a lot different than like... Nineteen seventy-eight. Yeah. So yeah. So we'll get there. We'll get there. So we see some man on the street interviews where someone behind the camera is interviewing people about like what's your astrological sign? And you know, like what do you think of astrology? They don't actually ask these questions on screen, but we can infer that those are the questions based on the answers we're given. So we see a number of people who are like, oh, you know, I'm a Taurus and blah 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 but I think astrology's bunk we see one lady who's a Leo and she looks exactly like I would picture someone who is a Leo she just has like this mane of blonde hair <laughs> and I know that that's not at all related to your astrological sign I just think it's funny that she does kind of have that what you would think of look and a lot of them are just like yeah I don't really know what to make of it or I don't believe in it or you know I really I'm definitely an Aries or whatever, you know, so there. I didn't rewatch funny. this part. I rewatch. They do this again later in the middle of the episode. And I rewatched that part. And we have another Leo who's a, who's a black guy. 
and he's yes. talking about like, Leos are like, and that's what I am. I'm a leader. And, I'm like, and then we have, well, we'll talk to that, but there's a lady in there that I, yeah, the Scorpio. The yeah. So I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm Bob, Bob Redheads. So, yeah, the Leo yeah. guy is really charming, actually. So when he, he is, says, he's, yeah, he's Leos great. are charming leaders, I'm like, okay, yeah, I mean, I can see yeah. that. So. The lady before him, who I think is a Cancer, which is what I am. Yes. She is not a good representative of a Cancer, because I really think she was like auditioning for like a role or something. She was really <laughs> trying to like get something yeah. out there. Well, you know, camera, when you've, but... <laughs> you've got a camera on a sidewalk in the 70s and you're just asking people random questions, you're going to get a whole mix. And they and do. They get like possibly a whole mix in Los Angeles, I think. Yes, so... it does seem like it's L.A. So you're going to yeah. have some wannabe actors. Yeah. Yeah. So Leonard Nimoy comes on and he tells us that he is an Aries with a Scorpio rising. Oh. I am a Gemini with a Taurus rising, and my moon sign is a Leo, by the way, just in case anyone oh. is curious about my specific breakdown. And I was reading my, uh, I went to like astrology.com and they will give you part of a chart, but they like black some stuff out and they're like, oh, you should buy this. I don't want to mm-hmm. buy this, but I was reading the parts that like were visible and I was like, you know what? That does really fit me. But like a lot of this stuff, it, I guess, could apply to a lot. I mean, it's, you know, it's always vague stuff. It's like, you really, care about what people think of you and you want people to you know be impressed by you but you're offended easily and i'm like okay yeah i mean i guess all that's true but like that could be true of a lot of people so none of it is very specific i don't know but you know i thought it was good i always feel like that stuff feels true to me and then i don't know i don't really believe in it but i want to yeah i don't know what the whole like this is rising and all that stuff means i don't know i am as i mentioned i am a cancer because I am a crab, and that's all I know. I don't know what's rising yeah. or in retrograde or whatever, so I have no idea. Well, and like in true Gemini fashion, I can't decide whether I believe in astrology or not. Like I go back and forth. I feel like both of it is true. I feel like I made this joke the first time, and I worded it way better. So I apologize <laughs> that we don't have that on the air. Maybe it'll come to me how I said it before. If someone wants to do a chart for me, so I was born on July 10th, 1970, 2.44 a.m. Pacific time, and I was born during a rainstorm in the summer. So Where were you born, though? Hanford, California. I okay. was born in what was, at the time, the hospital, which then became the government building, and now does not exist, because I think it got tore down and they built something else there. Yeah. So I think they just need the general city to get your, like, coordinates gotcha. or whatever. Zip code, yeah. 93230. <laughs> Well, when okay. you go on like the astrology okay. sites, they all ask for like your birthplace and it'll like list all the different like mine is um, Santa Rosa. And so it'll like yeah. list like all the nine pounds, one ounce, <laughs> 21 inches. Boom. There you go. All the okay. stuff you need. So also I'm a bastard. My parents were not married. They got married in September after I was born. I don't so, think any of that affects your okay. sign. I don't know. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah. I'm also probably the result of date rape. So there you go. So Uh, I don't know if we need to know that. So what is astrology? (laughs) Astrology is the forecasting of events on Earth based on the relationship between the stars, the sun, the moon, and other planets. (gasps) As above, so below. Whoa. So... As above, so below is a popular modern paraphrase of the second verse of the Emerald Tablet, a compact and cryptic hermetic text 
first noted in an Arabic source dating to the late 8th or early 9th century. As it appears in his most common medieval Latin translation, which would be quod est superius est sicut, quod inferius et quod inferius est sicut, quod est superius, which translates to that which is above is like that which is below, and that which is below is like that which is above. It's very peculiar to this version because it does not actually render the original Arabic. The original Arabic actually reads from rather than like to. So it should be that which is above is from which is below, and that which is below is from that which is above. So it kind of is a little bit different as opposed to being like coming from. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Anyway, following his prominent use by modern occultists such as Helena P. Blodvosky from 1831 to 1891, co-founder of the Theosophical Society and anonymous author of The Cabellion, often taken to be William W. Atkinson, who was born in 1862 and died in 1932 and was a pioneer of the New Thought Movement. The paraphrase started to take on life of its own, often being cited as a motto in New Age circles. And apparently it's like some tarot decks have it as one of the cards as well so yeah nice so we learned that cavemen began to learn predictable cycles of the moon the sun the stars the seasons and that led to the assignment of names and animals to constellations so we have cancer the crab aries the ram leo the lion sagittarius the archer and Scorpio, the scorpion. Yeah, and they stop. We don't get all 12. So No. <laughs> yeah. Mine's not on there. And no. I don't know. In my notes, lion has an asterisk, and I don't know why. So, nope. yeah. Mm. <laughs> Shit. There was well, probably something I said that had to do with that, and I didn't write it down because I didn't want Tori to know about it. I was going to drop a bomb on her, and now I don't know what the fuck it was. So, Although the scorpion <laughs> also has an asterisk. So, hmm. Yeah, don't know. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> yep. Maybe it'll come to you. <laughs> the formalized study of astrology began in Mesopotamia at least 3,000 years before Christ. Which I would like to point out again. Five thousand. And Sergeant is obsessed with 5,000 years ago. Yes. I think maybe a lot of stuff did happen 5,000 years ago, but yeah. it's, they're obsessed with uh, 3,000 years before Christ. So... Yeah. yeah, I mean, there was a lot going on. It was a busy time. <laughs> From Mesopotamia, it spread to Egypt, India, China, and throughout Europe. And we learned that the Egyptians divided the year into a cycle of 12 houses. Oh. And astronomy and astrology were considered one and the same. <gasps> oh. Ptolemy, a Greek mathematician in the 2nd century AD, accurately measured planetary movements, and his work dominated both astronomy and astrology for 1,500 years. And then we get syzygy! Woo! And also, I mean, force majeure, let's be honest. That was a good episode, too, of Millennium. And we talk about conjunctions of planets and all that kind of stuff. There were apparently three conjunctions reported that led the Magi to Christ. But early Christians condemned astrology as a pagan ritual. However, 
the largest astrological library today, 1977, lies within the Vatican. So, hypocrites. Anyway, Sidney Omar is one of America's leading astrologers, having sold over 20 million books. He thinks of astronomers as librarians. They know where all the books are, but the astrologer reads and interprets those books. He says early astrologers would hire apprentices to do the mathematical work to determine the planetary positions, and the master astrologer would then interpret those positions. Then those apprentices broke off to form astronomy. And I do not like Sidney Omar. He reminds me of Stan Lee. And if you listen to our little five-minute lost episode part, you will have learned that I <laughs> fucking hate Stan Lee. I cannot stand Stan Lee, even though I grew up reading Marvel comics. And that's one reason why I can't stand Stan Lee, because I actually read them and read Stan's bullpen and all that kind of stuff. And even as a seven-year-old kid, I was like, this guy is a fucking dick. And I was not wrong, apparently, because I think he's a fucking dick. Anyway, don't like Stan Lee, and I don't like Sidney Omar. So <laughs> there we go. Then we meet Dr. George O. Abel, professor of astronomy at UCLA, and he has debated the value of astrology with Sidney Omar on more than one occasion. He's clearly not a fan of astrology, probably not of Sidney Omar, and he's basically like, even Adolf Hitler fell for astrology, and he hopes that you do not, because... <laughs> You don't want to be like those Nazis, which I mean, no. I don't want to be like those Nazis, but that's kind of a reductive argument, but sure. Yeah. And then speaking of Hitler, it's Hitler time on the episode. Tori's favorite. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it when they talk a lot about Nazis. So <laughs> we learned that throughout history, the misuse of astrology has been legendary. Rudolf Hess encouraged Adolf Hitler to plan battle strategies based on it. And Hess and Joseph Goebbels pressed Germany's astrologers into service. So they were like forced to work for them, which, you know, Nazis were, yeah, pretty awful. <laughs> what do you really think about Nazis, Tori? I mean, <laughs> I think that's generally the standard opinion, right? Like, I know that they're unfortunately. I mean, there are a lot of people nowadays who would disagree with that opinion. Tori. Yeah, which I'm... is unfortunate and sad, but yeah. Early positive charts were fashioned in propaganda and battle cries. And later negative charts resulted in astrologers being arrested and shipped to concentration camps. Oh. One astrologer for the Third Reich, Louis de Waal, read his own chart and followed it, escaping to Great Britain and working with British strategists. Oh. So I guess I guess that's good that he was able to... Yeah, I mean, to, he was like, still doing astrology for, like, the Allies, but, yeah. Well, at least he got out alive. Yeah. And we're told some stuff that he apparently predicted, like, apparently he predicted the atomic bomb drop. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that, but, yeah, so... Yeah. Well, the problem with those kinds of predictions is, again, it's all, like, it's vague, I feel like. So you can kind of make it fit things. I don't know. Yeah. Speaking of, astrologers have predicted many major crises in history. Often, however, their warnings have gone unheeded. <gasps> and this is narrated over a rather somber painting of... 
John F. Kennedy. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. But okay, whatever. And it's commercial. And we come back and we get some more street interviews with a voiceover by Sidney Omar. So basically the people are talking and then Sidney Omar talks over them, talking about their various signs. Right. And we learn that Aquarius is perhaps the most intriguing sign of the Zodiac. Aquarius is associated with the planet Uranus, which I'm going to say Uranus because, again, I'm a child. And astrologers call Uranus the planet of surprise, which, again, <laughs> is funny if you're saying Uranus. So cancer is related to the moon. And cancer people, which is a weird way to say that, I, I don't think he said that, that's just what I wrote in my notes, but cancer people are very emotional and they're changeable where their affections are concerned, but they're extremely loyal to family members. Mm. As someone who is an orphan by choice, I think uh, Cindy Omar is full <laughs> of shit. But there is a lady who's a Scorpio in this episode and she held my attention because she's redheaded and I was, yeah, I liked her a lot, so... Yeah, well, she was funny, too, because she's like, yeah, I don't really know much about astrology, but when I tell people I'm a Scorpio, they're always like, oh, and they And then she's like, except for men, and I'm like, well, yeah, because you're a redhead. Men are like, hey, lady. Well, and also Scorpios are apparently very good in bed and also very hot-headed and, you know, whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she was funny. Yeah, I like She was. And she was also a redhead, so. Yeah. And then- at this point, I literally had to go back and check and see who wrote and produced this episode because it really seems like it's written by Sidney Omar. It's not, but he has a lot of, yeah, he's in it a lot and he, yeah. He probably had a lot of sway over how it was. Yeah, and also maybe the person who wrote it is on board with him. So Yes, that yeah. is also likely. Sidney Omar then talks about Dr. Hans Eisnick from London University, who apparently did a study that converted him, which him being Eisnick, into believing that astrology is real. And then Eisnick speaks to us as well. Mm-hmm. Then we're told that astrology has many applications in business, including predictions of stock market trends. According to J.P. Morgan, Millionaires don't use astrology, but billionaires do. Which is just grown, grown really loud. Yeah, I couldn't fact check this because I tried looking it up, and all I basically got was a bunch of like people saying that J.P. Morgan said it. So yeah, things were. I guess yeah, don't know. Then we have John Henry Nelson, a weather consultant for RCA since 1926, and he uses astrological principles to predict storms that might impair shortwave communications. Yeah, and based on the episode, I would argue that he's actually using astronomy, not astrology. Yeah, because he's using like the positions of things, not really their meanings. We're also told he predicted storm paths 15 months in advance for NASA rocket launches. Mm, That seems dubious to me. 15 months storms? Yeah, I mean, I kind of get it. Because with NASA, they can only launch under certain conditions. And if you're going to plan a launch, obviously it takes a lot of time. So you want to know like the most likely. I can see them consulting with people like this. But whether or not your predictions are going to be true. I mean, you're just looking at certain patterns and stuff. And again, we've talked about how that does not necessarily indicate what's going to happen next. 
No, and also just the whole fifteen months in advance seems that that's more more than a year. So like, like five seasons ahead, he's telling you what's going to happen. Yeah, like which months, I mean, they can seems... look ahead in some ways. None of it's guaranteed, but yeah, I don't know how accurate that would be. Maybe he was like, "Oh, it's going to be an El Nina," and so the weather. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure stuff like that was factored in. Yeah. yeah. And then we get some anecdotal evidence from Sidney Omar, and he talks about a doctor who uses the phase of the moon when he makes his hospital maternity schedules because supposedly more babies are born during full moons. And then also there's another doctor who, like, if you have a tonsillectomy during a full moon, you're more likely to bleed out, which is, uh, that's nice, okay. And then, like, save full moons for romance and not for surgery. And it's like, he irritates the (laughs) shit out of me. I can't say, it's Stan Lee bullshit. Like, if he was alliterating everything, it would be like, okay, you're Stan Lee in disguise. Because, anyway, (laughs) but, yeah. And then we get some anecdotal stories from firemen and hospital orderlies that makes me just like, I'll take care of myself if there's a fire or I hurt myself because I don't trust any of you fuckers. And then we talk about the cause of lunacy or mood madness, which is still unknown, but it is known that the moon affects the Earth's tides (laughs) and people are 90% water. So does it affect our tides as well? No, I mean, probably not, but that is, I mean, again, it's like taking science and not understanding it in any way. Gravity is an extremely weak force. And like when Dr. Abel is talking, he's talking about how like the book he is holding has more of a gravitational effect on him than like the moon does Mm -hmm. because it's proximity. And even though it's a book and it doesn't weigh a lot, it's because gravity is an extremely weak force. Like, yes, it's important. It does play a role in stuff, but it's also an extremely weak force. So, yeah. Then we learned that nations also have astronomical charts. The alignment of Saturn and Jupiter occurs every 20 years. And since 1840, every U.S. president elected in those periods has died in office. Oh. <gasps> Yeah, which seems coincidental to me. But in case you're curious, and this is sort of my wheelhouse, those presidents are William Henry Harrison, who was elected in 1840, and he died of pneumonia in 1841. He died like 30 days after he gave his inauguration address because of... They say it's the cold and he refused to wear a jacket, but recent theories think that there might have been like poo gas in the air and he got some kind of infection or something in his lungs because of all the waste in the swamp water. Miasma. Yeah, so that might be it. Yes. What are you fucking (laughs) freakazoid? Poo gas. (laughs) You know, some things just stick with you forever. (laughs) Man, I love freakazoid. (laughs) And then, of course, we all know Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. He was elected in 1860. He was assassinated in 1865 on April 14th. He actually died on April 15th at like 722 in the morning at the Peterson House across the street from Ford's Theater, where I have been. It's very like it was actually really emotional. Like I went into the room where he died and stuff and like cried a little bit. But like, yeah, it's yeah, he he was obviously shot by John Wilkes Booth and he was reelected in 1864. Yeah. I also do wonder, because like, this is going to come up again. We talk about every president since 1840 who gets elected, dies, and like 
some a lot of them are reelected also. But also, I also wonder about like, well, what about like eighteen twenty and eighteen? Why did it suddenly only start in eighteen forty? Right. Happened? Yeah, I know because you do but, think like eighteen forty, but like we've had presidents since like seventeen. I don't remember when Washington eighty nine. I think is it eighty nine? Yeah, it, was, it wasn't seventeen seventy six. I'll tell you that. No, but. no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> And then James Garfield was elected in 1880 and assassinated in 1881 by Charles Gateau. I highly recommend Assassins the Musical. If you've never seen it or heard it, it's very good. All the assassins have a song. His is based on a poem he wrote and read on the gallows before they killed him. Oh, okay. Yeah. He was kind of a kooky guy. I guess you kind of have to be to shoot a president. William McKinley was elected in 1900. He was assassinated in 1901 by Leon Shogash, who was an immigrant who was unhappy with the state of things. Can't imagine why. He was first elected in 1896. Mm. And then William Harding was elected in 1920. He died in 1923 of cardiac arrest. Franklin Roosevelt was elected in 1940. He died in 1945. He was also elected in 1932, 1936, and 1944. He is the reason we have a two-term limit. Yeah. Because after that, people were like, oh, no, we're not doing that again. It's good and bad. Honestly, our whole system is kind of fucked up and not that great, but <laughs> we've tried to work on it. It hasn't always led to great things. Interesting how only presidents have a term limit. I mean, that's not true. There are term limits in one half of Congress, I think, isn't there? I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe not, because a lot of those people have been serving for way too fucking long and need to yeah. be booted. I mean, the Mitch hell McConnell out. just basically had well, I haven't looked at it since it happened, but he basically had a stroke during a speech. Yeah, um, I saw and I tried I mean, he's a human being, but I'm not yeah. gonna be sad about it either. No. No, he's a fucking monster, but also like I watched that clip and I was like, Okay, you guys let him stand there way too long. Because yeah. with strokes, it's very important, and you know he's old. And, well, I don't know like, if it was a no stroke, but apparently he had had an incident before he got to the podium, too. And so there might be, might mm. be something else. But yeah, they let, um, they let him stand there way too long before they took him. And then after they took him away, they just they just pulled him to the side, and he stood there for a long time. Like, get him to a fucking doctor. Like, seriously. Yeah, I know. But, yeah. Again, he's a fucking monster, but still, he's yeah. I mean, he should. So. The world would be better off without him. So I'm not sad, but yeah, yeah, definitely. The people around him are not doing him any favors. Yeah, maybe that they makes think sense the that people thing. around him wouldn't do the right thing because yeah, so. yeah, they're yeah, not great people. John F. Kennedy was elected in 1960. He was assassinated in 1963 by the cigarette smoking man, as seen on musings of a cigarette smoking man in the X Files. Yep. Historical fact. Oh, that's why they had the picture of John F. Kennedy when they were talking earlier. <laughs> oh, about, well, because they talk about how Kennedy specifically was warned, like oh. by astrologers, to not either not do the thing in Texas or to you know not be in an open car or you know that it was dangerous and he did not listen. He was yeah, warned but- by other people too. I'm pretty sure about the open car thing because no one thought that was a great idea, but apparently he didn't listen to anybody. So, you know. Yeah. Apparently Sidney Omar was one of the people who told him too. Cause oh. yeah, of course he is. So did you see recently I saw there was a, uh, like a, uh, a tribute or something to John F. Kennedy. And I, I don't know what it was for, but like it was, they, they put up like a big, like 
banners of him, right? But to make it super large, they assembled it with four banners. And so the four banners obviously have a cross in the middle and where the 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 crosses were were like right in the back of his neck. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> the That's thing was just... like, oh, did someone not think about this when they designed this? <laughs> Clearly funny. not. That's funny. I don't know if it's real or not. I don't know because it was just like I was just scrolling and saw it. I was like, right. But yeah. And then, so obviously, John F. Kennedy, nineteen sixty. But anyway, so if we keep if we keep going with this for our every twenty years, the next one would be nineteen eighty, and that's when Ronald Reagan was elected, and he did have an assassination attempt in nineteen eighty one. But he mm-hmm. died in 2004. Yeah. So that didn't work out. No, it's too bad, too, because he is one of the worst things that's ever happened to this country. Mm, yeah. Sorry. I'm having some strong opinions. I'm sorry. Everyone's like, man, you guys said this episode was really fun. And it was the first time. But, like, I don't know. I'm super cranky today. <laughs> so I'm just angry at capitalism. No, I think we I think we I think we went on about Ronald Reagan. We for probably a while. did. We probably yeah. did. Everyone's like, oh, yeah. he was a movie star. He liked cherry jelly beans. Yeah, but he fucked our economy for good and has really screwed well, people and also like he out of was, ever owning um, a house. Homophobic and racist. And Yes, yeah. and he had a lot of problems with AIDS were because he refused to act. And yeah, yeah. so um, could have prevented a lot of tragedy, but did not. And he did a lot of fucked up things to our economy as well. Yeah. So He also was involved in the Red Scare where people were blacklisted. And one reason why he succeeded in... Hollywood was because he ratted on people. So yeah, hey. not a good person. Not a good person. No. no. Speaking of, we have George W. Bush, who was appointed by the judiciary in 2000. He wasn't really elected because he didn't have the majority of votes. No. Anyway, he is still alive and is not charged with war crimes and has basically yeah. been redeemed in the eyes of people because now he paints pretty pictures and bullshit. So that's awesome. Al Gore, who was actually elected in 2000, is also still alive. Mm-hmm. And then Joe Biden was elected in 2020, and it's kind of too early to tell. Yeah. He could die in office because his term isn't over yet, and he is old, but he seems rather healthy. So He does. He seems like he's doing okay. Yeah. Which is probably good because he's not a perfect person, but given the alternative, it really no, I mean, a he's a fucking bullet. He's been in the system for like, how long has he been in I mean, politics? I don't know. Like, I, I no longer know. Well over 50 years, probably. So who yeah. could be president would ever be. I don't know. I mean, Al Gore probably, I think, is a decent human being. But again, no one's perfect. Yeah, but he's not charismatic, which is why that was an mm-hmm. issue. So, and he was like yeah. worried about things like climate change that no one wanted to talk about. So yeah. <sighs> it's fine. We're all doing great, guys. We're doing great. Everything's. I good. mean, that ice age is coming anytime. It's, it's <laughs> going to solve climate change <laughs> for a year. Yeah, yeah. And as we talked about, so like many astrologers told Kennedy that he was in danger again, including Sidi Omar, hero. <laughs> Of the episode, whatever. Astrologers have not always been harbingers of disaster, however. Many now believe we are in the age of Aquarius. Age of Aquarius. Yeah. An era of growing cooperation among individuals and nations. But also, reminder, associated with Uranus and so full of surprises. <laughs> so. I mean, it has been a surprising... <laughs> time it's not not yeah. a time that i would have chosen to be alive during because oof. yeah all those boomers who were all about the age of aquarius once they decided they had to get jobs 
and changed their mind about a lot of stuff, it seems. But anyway, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to generation bash because basically everyone does it. I do and think it's not I'm, everybody, you know, it's just the no, people in charge, mostly in the rich people and the people who control things, more or less. Yeah. Yeah. They say as you get older, you get more conservative because you have things you technically want to conserve. Maybe because I don't have anything to conserve. I'm well, not that. I've, I've probably gotten more, like, unhinged as I've gotten older, but... and. Well, and more and yeah. more people like aren't don't have, you know, a way to buy a house. They don't have any money. They don't have investments. And as that increases, like people, I mean, and also people can, you know, there's compassion and, you know, caring about other people and things are getting worse. So it's a lot harder to turn away and be like, oh, well, I just care about my investments or whatever. Most yeah. people don't even have investments anymore. So as that increases and more and more people don't, like there's... You know, fewer and fewer people on that. Well, side. and boomers really got big. Again, I'm not going to generation bash, but they, when they were born, they got a lot of extra advantages that were very rare in modern culture because of the post-war boom. Right. Well, and because of the rules in the society, the way things were that Reagan yeah. fucking stripped away. So, like, you yeah. could afford a house a lot more easily than, like, now you have to make so much money that you need like three people <laughs> or you need to be very rich, but like, it's really hard yeah. to buy a house if you it's don't just, already. There was a house. lot of economic things that were going on post-war that yes. were a benefit that then were either went away because post-war doesn't, I mean, post-war does last forever. Obviously it's always after the war, but the effects tend to then right. stabilize, right? You return to the mean, but then also a lot of things are stripped because it's always more important to, not let people have things and to make sure that you know we don't want people to get things they don't deserve and so yeah we got to make sure that you know yeah you guys have heard this before yes so. we have ranted about this a lot we're ranty <laughs> we're old and cranky and poor so neither of us is ex exactly excited about the state of things and we're you know yeah. i'm i'm queer we're both very like into the rights of queer and trans people and the rights of black people and the rights of like people of color and just, all those you know, what? we're so. into the rights of people. Yes. Of people. It's yes. All people, except people who are using those rights to oppress others, basically. Well, like, I'm, I'm for their rights too. <laughs> no, but... I'm not. <laughs> well, to I'm, an extent, yes. but not their right to oppress, I guess. No, well, that's, that that's, that's not a right. Right. But like, I think everyone should have, the ability to have a place to live and to, oh, yes. do, to love who they wish and to have food on their table and, you know, all that stuff. And I'm not going to take that away from someone who. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm not awful, saying that. But they need to not be awful. So. Yeah. Yeah. And if making them not be awful, the only way to do that is to, you know, then so be it. I'm not going to complain about that either. So, but anyway, commercial. <laughs> We come back and we actually don't get closing narration in this episode. We just get Leonard Nimoy talking. He apparently had a telephone conversation with Sidney Omar. And spoiler, Leonard Nimoy did not really seem impressed with Sidney Omar. Mm -mm. So, no, no, he did not. But we do learn that Leonard Nimoy's birthday was March 21st, 1931, which if you look on the internet, you probably know that already. But, mm -hmm. you know, in 1978, you might not have known that. So now you know. And yeah. also, it was like, 
really generic stuff. Like he told him some basic things. Like I forget what it was he said specifically, but Leonard, oh, something about how like he has a powerful personality and he may like intimidate people, but really he's, you know, I forget what the word was, but he's, you know, not like whatever. And he's like, oh yeah, that's very flattering. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he was not he was he was say. not impressed with Sunny Omar at all. <laughs> and then Omar had him think of a question and he thought, what's next? And he gave some like answer about like let go of what's going on like it's just yeah dumb vague advice that you could like think of something in your life like if someone told me what should i do next oh you should let go i could probably think of things i need to let go of like that's pretty generic and you could come up with something you know yeah let go of eating yeah. cake. and then again yeah <laughs> fine yeah really I, like I love cake i'm not gonna tell people not to eat cake but again <laughs> don't eat cake. don't eat cake all the time because no gotta, of course you gotta figure out when you can't have cake. So, yeah. Thing with drinking. So, both of which I am a not. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, but, I don't drink. So. Yeah, no. You know, so. I got that I have one issues down. with overconsumption. So, and everything. But then we get the elevator pitch, which we have never. I mean, we've we've talked about it. And I'm a fan of it. We've never played it. So, guess what? Boom. Are we going to play it? Yeah, I'm going to play it. Cool. Lost civilizations, extraterrestrials, myths and monsters, missing persons, magic and witchcraft, unexplained phenomena. In search of cameras that are traveling the world seeking out these great mysteries. This program was the result of the work of scientists, researchers, and a group of highly skilled technicians. And that's the episode. Yeah, that's it. So that yep. is astrology. Yeah, that was super cool. So we always talk about how they don't give us names on screen of who they talk to. Well, this time they kind of did if you were patient because in the credit sequences, and I'm pretty sure this is the first time we've gotten it, there is a credit for consultant in the credits. And guess who it is, Tori? Uh, I mean, I can see on the screen your notes, so I know, but it is Sydney Omar, which does not surprise yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. And there's also a we gratefully acknowledge the assistance furnished by credit, which has existed before. We get NASA, Jack C. Stewart, mm -hmm. Francis Hitching, our old buddy Francis Hitching, which is Francis Hitching here, as opposed to J. Francis Hitching, which he gets his credit when he writes and produces an episode. And then Dr. Hans Eisnick. And again, we've had this credit before, but usually it's more like in the NASA Jack C. Stewart thing, where it's just a place for someone that's not in the episode. And so it was interesting that Dave Francis Hitching is in this, or Francis Hitching, I guess. And then also Eisnick is in this when he's actually in the episode. Yes, he is. So there's a link for Sidney Omar's Wikipedia page in the show notes if you want to read it. I read it, and I'm not going to talk about him because I don't like him. So... 
Dr. Hans Eisnick wrote a paper in 1971 claiming that IQ and race were linked. And you can guess how. So, Mm. yeah, that's not encouraging. (laughs) Yeah. His research also proved that your personality type affected your risk of cancer and heart disease. Mm. And at the time of his death in 1997, he was the most cited living psychologist in peer-reviewed scientific journal literature. Mm. Those papers are extremely popular. However, 22 years later, in 2019, 26 of his papers were considered unsafe and found to be, quote, incompatible with modern clinical science by an inquiry on the behalf of King's College London. Scholars identified errors and suspected data manipulation in his work and replications have failed to confirm results that he purported to find. During the inquiry, it was argued that 87 of his publications should be retracted. In 2020, 14 of his papers were retracted and journals issued 64 statements of concern about his publications. So his opinion and his scientific credibility is about as trustworthy as Sidney Omar's. Yeah, no kidding. Jeez. Yeah. Well, I mean, if he was writing papers about how like race and IQ are related, I can definitely see why, because that doesn't sound good. Yeah, apparently the majority of his research was on the whole personality type thing and then like okay. and that kind of stuff. So he was obviously a prolific author because he was getting cited a lot, but yes. apparently it was all pretty much garbage. Yay! Dr. George Odgen Abel was an American educator. He taught at UCLA and he worked as a research astronomer and administrator and a popularizer of science and education. And he was also a skeptic. He taught not only about science, but what is not science. He was an originating member of the Committee on Scientific Investigation of Claims of the Paranormal, PSYCOP, now known as the Committee of Skeptical Inquiry, CSI. Mm -hmm. And he was a contributor to Skeptical Inquirer. He was of that generation of skeptics that could kind of come across as stiff or scoldy, like Mm -hmm. not as bad as Philip J. Class, who, like, what he said was right, but he does not come across well and that kind of thing doesn't play with someone like you same thing with again stanley fucking hate stanley you can't deny that he is charismatic but that doesn't mean he's right right and so the same that happens a lot with the whole especially in the early days of skeptics and stuff because the skeptics often came off as scoldy they were usually academics and were kind of stiff and then you had all these super charismatic con artists basically that people are like mm-hmm. oh you know and so well yeah and if you go on a show to like debate the existence of your psychic powers and like mm-hmm. you know you're if you're pretending to be a psychic and making a living doing that you probably are a very charismatic people you're a showman. person you can probably read people not in a psychic way but you can probably see you know body language facial expressions you're probably very practiced at that and knowing what's playing well and you know how to talk in a way that like, you know, you can, if someone asks you a question like, hey, Nick, you know, I know that you said that it was going to thunderstorm on Thursday and it did, but like, maybe you just read the weather report. You're going to have a really good like answer for that already. Whereas the person asking the questions is going to be more like, you know, if you're more academic and not on TV all the time, you're not, yeah, so exactly. You're not going to come off as well. I liked him on this show. I wanted to hear more from him, and I love that he has like debated Sydney Omar. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't too bad. Many times you could kind of you could kind of see though that he definitely oh, had yeah. that like that lecturer kind of thing oh, sure. going on. Yeah, he's so, a teacher. Yeah, yeah. But again, he's not as bad as Philip J. Class. So yeah, 
which I, I, I say bad, which is makes it sound like it's derogatory. It's not. It's just Philip J. Class does not come across well if you watch it. Like, I am fully on board with what he has to say, but, like, we linked previously, like, for a fire in the sky, mm-hmm. I linked to that Larry King interview that he had with Philip J. Class and Travis Walton. And Philip J. Class comes off awful in that. Mm-hmm. But neither does Travis Walton and what's-his-face Mike, his friend, because they start, like, just personal attacking. And it was, it's not a good interview at all, obviously, because Larry King is a dirtbag and awful as well. So, but, yeah, but Philip J. Class usually doesn't come up because he's very scoldy. And it's like, right. although he also got really mad and started cursing, which I thought was hilarious. So, <laughs> yeah. In addition to planetary alignments themselves affecting radio transmissions, John Henry Nelson was the chief proponent of planetary alignments causing sunspots, which do, or he would probably say also, have an effect on radio transmissions. So while we're watching the episode, Dr. Abel at one point starts talking about like sunspots and weather, and you're like, why are you talking about that? He's talking about John Henry Nelson. Mm-hmm. So. If you watch this episode, and I mentioned this, it seemed like he's really doing astronomy and not astrology. Mm -hmm. But his work was recognized as supportive of some of the conclusions of astrology. And like the astrology people, group, whatever you want to call them, they kind of co-opted him. And he was apparently like really appreciative of a recognition and reciprocated and kind of got red-pilled, honestly, is what I think happened. So... He kind of went like, oh, yeah, these people, like, they're acknowledging my work, and so they must be okay, and that kind of thing. So I think he got kind of co-opted. Most of his research has actually been disregarded at this point, but he did uh-huh. build a foundation for the current study on sunspots and planetary effects on them. So that's kind of cool. I mean, yeah, sometimes you, know, cool. you, you do science and then your science is wrong, but it does lead other people to do other science. So yeah. that's how science works. Yep, exactly. You find stuff and you think you know what's explaining it, and then it turns out it's something else. Yeah, because people try and replicate your results, right? That's the whole point of science. Someone Uh does something, I got this result, other people try to get the same result. If they do, then that's a plus, and if they don't, well, then there's a problem, right? Who's wrong? And you got to do more science. It's awesome. Exactly. That's how it works. That's how it works, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) So, yeah, I think this episode is an extremely different episode than the episode we did not record it is yeah i feel like the other one was probably funnier and i don't I know think i think we had i think i think we were a lot more goofier and fun i think we were episode. like in a yeah i think we were in more of a silly kind of unhinged goofy little mood at that that day i can't remember what else we recorded that day but i think it was all kind of a little bit wacky and yeah. today i think i'm just really tired from work and i'm cranky but yeah yeah also it's been it's been a while. Yeah. That it's was been a while because our we forgot to record this episode was in January. Oh, we wow. We are now on the tail end of July. Oh, wow. So yeah. we probably recorded either in early January or possibly before Christmas. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's been a while. <laughs> well, a we finally got it done, though. So now, and I think in terms of in search of episodes, not ours. I mean, this one is. I think solid too. I think our episode, regardless of it not being the same, I think it's a solid breakdown, but the actual episode itself, I feel like is one of their better ones just in terms of like the format, because I feel like doing like the man on the street and the way they interview different people. And like, I don't know, there's just less, I was going to say less nonsense, but astrology kind of is, but you know what I mean? Like the way it's formatted and presented, I feel like is clearer and 
more streamlined than some of their episodes. Yeah, well, that's the thing, too. Like, this episode hits those beats, right? Yes. Lost civilizations, monsters, that kind of... Like, where some of the... Like, the ants, the deadly ants one, it's like, where is that coming from? Like, it doesn't really fit into those categories. Yes. And so, like, when they're talking about... I don't know. I guess when they're talking about... I don't know if astrology is paranormal, but, like, that's what I want. I want paranormal shit. Right. Or stuff that, like, even if you don't believe it, could be vaguely magical. And astrology is always seen as kind of vaguely... Like, it's supposed to be based on, like, planets, but it's also, like, vaguely pseudoscience-y, paranormal-y. And so, yeah, it kind of fits that groove a little bit better. So it's kind of more what you would expect from In Search of, I think. Yeah, even though this is the fifth episode, it kind of serves as a season wrap-up for us because we're recording it last at the end. Yes. And and it's just like, like, I don't, like... I don't I don't want like mysteries of the Bible from in search of because I can watch mysteries of the Bible. I don't want like oh fire ants or I, I want I want like monsters and I know spooks and specters and witchcraft Ghosts and, and weird things and yeah. funky funky places and like UFOs, weird ghosts, stories. monsters. Yeah, yeah. that kind of I want that missing kind of people. Where'd this person go? Will we yeah. ever find I mean missing again? people is kinda all right. Some of them are kind of boring. But, yeah, yeah, but I mean, at least it's it feels more in line with what they're doing rather than yeah. Although, like the I guess Amelia Earhart's fine, but like we are gonna get one. But you know the one I want. I want Mister Jumping Out of Airplane with a bunch of money. That's what oh, I want. Oh yeah. So yeah. you know we will get there. But did you ever get a Rasputin episode though? What the fuck? Yeah, what are you doing? that is what weird. Are you doing in search of no Rasputin. Hmm. Yeah, that would be good. I would like that. Yeah, it would probably be a lot, a lot of wrong based on the fact <laughs> that it would be 1970s, but it would be interesting. Yeah, be exactly. So, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Right. So that's season two of In Search of all done. Thankfully, now I say mm-hmm. thankfully, like like thank God it's over. But like <laughs> you know, we but no, finished but we it. got through it. Yay! We got through it, and we got this episode taken care of that we unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> had to come back to. We did not record, so. so no, and I had to listen to Sydney Omar again, which I never wanted to do. But hey, you know that's how it goes. So it is, yeah. Well, now we check we're recording kind of obsessively, so I guess yeah. it helped. Natalie. That's true, and that was that was the thing we talked about. So actually, I guess this. Oh, I remember now because I re-listened to our little five-minute one, and I just remembered again. My memory is shit, but I know we mentioned that was our first one back from our Christmas break. And that's why we didn't record because we weren't painted. We'd been, we'd, we were, we're a little rusty. I mean, it's no excuse, but we were a little rusty. Yeah. And, we just and so cause it was our, it was our first, I think, I think we, I think we were goofy that day. I would need to go back and look at the calendar to see what yeah, else we recorded we that day. But um, yeah, but that was our, that was our first episode of the day and we forgot to record it. And I think it came up in everything we recorded after that. So yeah, yeah. we recorded, oh, we recorded all in search of that day. Oh, okay. So episode six and seven, which okay. I don't remember what those were. I would need to go mm-hmm. back and look. But yeah, that was an all in search of day. So yeah, kind of like today, which is an well, all in search of day. Yeah. Although so. we actually recorded all three this time and uh, we recorded the other two because <laughs> after that we were like, oh my God, double yeah. check. But yeah. 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 So we just took a break and realized that, which is good that we took the break and realized we weren't recording because we had <laughs> <laughs> not recorded that would have sucked that would have sucked <laughs> i mean yeah. it sucked already it would have sucked a lot more so thank goodness yeah. for me having to pee every five minutes bladder saved the day <laughs> for, for once yay yay all right <laughs> all right 
I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded in collaboration with Black Cat and Orange Tuxedo Studios. Episode production design and editing is by Lazy and Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz. And the truth is what we make of it by the Agrarians. I Want to Rewatch is where we talk about the X-Files and X-Files adjacent television and films. If you like what we're doing, check out our show notes for ways to support the podcast. And of course, tell a friend. We'd love to have them join us. Yeah, as you heard, we're poor. So yeah. Check out ways to support the podcast. <laughs> Please. Would not hurt at all. Speaking <laughs> of which, check out the show notes on how to support the podcast. And be sure to join us next time. And together, we'll try to figure out, because... We can't use astrology because it doesn't fucking work. So we have to come together to try to figure out if if the the truth truth is still out there. The truth is what we make of it. Ptolemy, a Greek magician. Mag- <laughs> <laughs> That'd be cool. Yep.